what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. Well, let me tell you something this morning, folks. I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm not looking for some dried food. I'm not looking for some dried beans. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ who is coming back with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the Gospel according to St. Luke. Luke chapter 24. We're going to begin with the first verse. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass... As they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. I want to use as a subject this morning the question that was asked by the angel. Why seek ye the living? Among the dead. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Most of all, for the great gift of salvation. You loved us so much, you looked beyond our faults and saw our need for a Savior. Sent your only Son into this world to die upon a cross for our sins. Today we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. Lord, I pray that every man, woman, boy, and girl here today knows you as their own personal Lord and Savior. And if not, Lord, I pray that the mighty convicting power of your Holy Spirit will move upon their hearts today. And Lord, that they will accept you before it's everlasting too late. Lord, I ask this morning that you will help me to rightly divide this word of truth, presented in such a fashion, Lord, that the least among us, whomever that may be, might be able to hear, to grasp, to better understand your word. Lord, I pray that everyone will be edified and drawn closer to you, deeper into your word, 
led more by your spirit, and I'll ask it all in the precious holy name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen. Dana was reading the paper just this week, and she called a man's name of whom I was associated with back in my teenage years when we used to cruise around and do the things back then that teenagers did. I was acquainted with this man and never knew that I would read what Dana showed me in the paper this week. He had committed a crime in which he was arrested, and they had his picture in the paper. He's just a couple of years younger than I am, and he looked like he was 65 years old. And the reason for that is because he's been strung out on crystal meth for the past however many years. And it has aged him that much. There is something within the heart of man. There is a void there in the heart of man. And man is reaching out for something to fill that void. As I stand here before you this morning, there are many out here in this world, they're looking for life and living. They have not found it. They're looking for that life and living among the tombs. And I'll get to that in just a moment. When God created man in Genesis chapter 2, The Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the ground. We don't know how long God took in forming and shaping man. It could have been an hour. It could have been a couple of hours, four. We we really don't know how long it took God to form man out of the dust of the ground. Man was just a statue, if you will. But then God gave the most important ingredient. When he breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life. And the Bible says that man became a living soul. An eternal living soul. Adam was not living until the Spirit of God entered into him. And just a short time later, Adam would partake of a tree that God told him not to. And Adam committed sin. And the Holy Spirit that took up residence within his heart and life. The Holy Spirit that causes you to have the life the Holy Spirit left and so it has been from then until now every single human being born is born with an eternal soul that is void of the Spirit of God a void an emptiness a darkness A craving inside the heart of man. You're looking for something. 
You're searching for something. The disciples found it. They found Jesus, the Messiah. John said he was the light, the life of men. They were with him every day for three and a half years. They heard him preach, never missed a service. Never man spake like this man. He spoke as one that had authority. They watched the miracles that he performed. The blinded eyes that would open, the lame that would walk, the deaf that could hear, the demon spirits that were cast out. They even witnessed the dead raised. And they thought, surely we have found the Messiah. But all of their hopes and their dreams would soon be crushed as they witnessed His crucifixion. The crucifixion was the most painful, agonizing deaths that you could even begin to imagine. The crucifixion was bad enough, but Jesus suffered so many things before He even went to the cross. They witnessed the soldiers strip Him down naked and they tied Him to a post. And the soldiers stood on either side of Him with a cat of nine tails. It's a whip with twelve cords coming out of the end of it they tied pieces of bone and metal to the end of those cords and when the soldier would pull back and he would run it across the back of our savior those cords would literally wrap around his body and those bits and pieces of bone would bruise our savior And those sharp pieces of metal would dig into the flesh. And then that soldier would pull back. Literally ripping the flesh off of his body. They hit him 39 times. His back was torn to pieces. Those soldiers, they mocked him. They heard that he was the king of the Jews. They put a robe upon him, plated a crown of thorns, and they placed it upon his head, put a reed in his hand, and knelt their knees down before him and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they mocked him. And they spit upon him, and they hit him in the face. Isaiah said his visage was more marred than any man. He didn't even look like a human being when they got done with him. His head was swole three times its normal size as they beat him, placed a cross upon his back. The disciples, they, they heard the Lord cry out in agony as they drove the nails into his hands and into his feet. They watched as the Roman soldiers lifted the cross and watched it drop down in a hole until his body shook 
Being nailed to a cross in such a fashion in order to take a breath, you would have to lift yourself up to take a breath. With his hands nailed to the cross, he would have to push his back against the rough edges of that cross. His back is already torn to pieces because of the scourge. And each breath was a struggle. He was placed upon the cross at nine o'clock that morning. He cried, it is finished, and gave up the ghost at three o'clock that afternoon. The time of the morning sacrifice, the time of the evening sacrifice. For six hours he hung there upon the cross. Do you know that man was made on the sixth day? Do you know that six is man's number? The one that is to come in the future, the Antichrist, his number will be six, six, six. Jesus did not die on that cross for himself. But he died on that cross for you and he died on that cross for me. They watched as a soldier took the spear and they jabbed it into his side. The blood and the water gushed out. They watched as they took the body of Jesus and they placed it in a tomb. And the soldiers rolled the stone in front of the tomb. And they watched as that tomb was sealed. And that soldier standing there. All of this of which I have described to you this morning should not have been anything new to the disciples. Jesus had told them several times on several different occasions, He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. I'm going to be crucified. And then again on the third day I'm going to rise. But each time he would go into this, he would talk about this. They would change the subject or they would avoid the subject. They had questions, but they dare not ask him any questions. They did not understand. They did not choose to understand. They made a willful decision to turn a deaf ear to what he said. A willful unbelief. It is unbelief that made them get up early on that Sunday morning and go down to a tomb. Now think about it. Unbelief will cause you to go down to the tombs. There are many today that celebrated Easter in the bottom of a liquor bottle. There's a many one that took this weekend and they spent the whole weekend in a nightclub. They had an extra day off and they took it and went down to the beach for the weekend. Or maybe they went up to the mountains. They're looking for something, searching for something. They're looking for it among the tombs. But what you're looking for and what you need cannot be found in the tombs of this world. 
they brought spices. Spices back in those days were very expensive. And unbelief will cost you more than you're willing to pay. Some of those spices cost as much as a day's wages. Some costed as much as a year's wages. They brought the spices because of unbelief. They brought the spices which they had prepared. Unbelief will cause you to prepare for things that's really not even necessary. What are you talking about, Brother James? I was looking at a program on TV just a few weeks ago. People are out there digging holes in the ground and putting underground bunkers thinking that the world is going to end. If they'd read this book right here, they'll know that the world is not going to end. But they're spending a lot of money getting dried food and trying to put a hole in the ground so they'll have somewhere to stay. Well, let me tell you something this morning, folks. I'm not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm not looking for some dried food. I'm not looking for some dried beans. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ who is coming back with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. He's coming back. Bible said there were certain others with them. Your unbelief will drag others down with you. Do you hear me? Are you following me? Did you know that unbelief will cause you to worry? You see, those women on the way down to the tomb that morning, they were talking about who's going to roll the stone away. They were worried about something that hadn't even happened yet. They were worried about something that wasn't even a problem. Because when they got there, the stone was already rolled away. Well, what are you talking about, brother? I'm talking about this. We sit here and worry about things that ain't even a problem. Folks is literally giving themselves a heart attack worrying about stuff that don't even make a hill of beans. Unbelief calls you to worry. Worry is actually putting faith in the devil. Let me say that again. Did you know that worry is putting faith in the devil? Nothing happens in this world while it don't cross God's desk first. He knows about it. He knows about it long before you even get there, honey. And he's not going to let anything happen to you. But what you ain't able to bear it. Oh, at the time you're going through it, you think, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle this or not. But he knows how much you can bear. See, he's trying to build your faith. Does anybody in here lift weights? Am I the only one that lifts weights? I mean, you don't get muscles like this and look like Lou Ferrigno. Some of you younger ones don't know who Lou Ferrigno is. <laughs> yeah, he played the Hulk. But when you're weightlifting, you start out with a little weights. 
You get used to them, then they put a little more weight on the bar, and you lift them. And then they put a little more weight on, and you lift them. And God is building your faith. And he's putting just a little bit more weight on the bar. He's building your faith. That's why he allows some things to happen to you. So stop worrying about it. God's in control. John said, I saw a door open in heaven, and I saw a throne, and I saw one sitting upon the throne. Honey, let me tell you, that was 2,000 years ago. And let me tell you this morning, he is still sitting upon that throne. God has not moved. He's not waiting for a welfare check to get there. He's not waiting for Obamacare. He's not waiting for the federal government to bail him out. Jesus is alive and well. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The angel said, what are y'all doing here? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Mister, let me tell you something. You're not going to find what you're looking for in the bottom of that whiskey bottle. You're not going to find what you're looking for in that crystal meth. You're not going to find it in cocaine. You're not going to find it in marijuana. You're not going to find it, young person, in illicit sex. But you'll only find it at the foot of the cross when you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and life. And the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and He changes you down on the inside. Only the Holy Spirit of God can change you and make you into what you ought to be. The angel said, remember what he said. Verse 7, how the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Jesus was God, and he became a man, born of the Virgin Mary, came into this world as a baby, grew up to be a man. Do you know that in the entirety of his life, he never sinned one time? Not one time did Jesus sin in word, thought, or deed. Not one sin, not one time did Jesus ever sin. He lived a perfect life. He was delivered to the hands of sinful men. But his perfect life was not enough. For the Bible says... That he was crucified. He was crucified as a sin offering for you and I. His perfect life and his death upon Calvary's cross paid the sin debt that you and I owed to God. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And Jesus paid the price for our sins and then the bible says that he would rise again on the third day if jesus had ascended one time during his life just one time jesus would not have risen from the dead why because the bible says the wages of sin is death 
But because of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That means he was the perfect sacrifice. That means that the sin debt is paid. Paid in full. When they got there that morning, Jesus was not there. He had already risen from the grave. A short time later, Jesus visited with his disciples. Told them a whole lot of stuff, but there's one thing I want you to zero in on, and it's John 20, verse 22. The Bible says that Jesus breathed on the disciples and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Due to the fact that Jesus paid the sin debt, now the Holy Spirit can come into our hearts and lives and take up residence and fill that void that's in your life that divine infilling of his spirit which really makes life worth living if the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4200 You can also go to EstablishedInTheFaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252-299-4234. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to EstablishedInTheFaith.com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina. Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.